Welcome back to another episode of Top Dogs. It is Wednesday, February 2nd. We are coming off of UConn's 59-55 loss at home to Creighton on Tuesday night, which was a frustrating experience, I think, for a lot of people, including myself. So uh, this is going to be a different kind of episode uh, than usual. This is going to be more or less a chance for me to uh, vent, some fr- uh, vent, vent some frustrations, talk through Tuesday night's performance, and to kind of get out my thoughts on a trend that has continued throughout the 2021-22 season while also providing some much-needed context as to why we, as UConn fans, can be annoyed and frustrated and fired up about the way that some of these games have gone down the uh, down the last month. But we also need to be able to see the bigger picture here. I'll start with this. Uh, Creighton v. Villanova by 20. Back in December. Not a lot of people remember it, but it happened. I promise you. Villanova lost by 20 at Creighton. That's the same Villanova that, as of this moment, is currently the overwhelming favorite to win the Big East regular season title, according to the odds makers at Beverly Sportsbook, despite the fact that they sit behind Providence in the current standings in the Big East. Look, the Big East right now is a buzzsaw. I'm not sure there's a team that I would pick to get to the final four from the league, but the top eight teams in this conference right now are good enough that on any given night, any one of them can beat anyone else on any court in the conference. That's just the way that it is. That's how good the top of the Big East conference is. Shit, think about it like this. Providence is 9-1 and one in the Big East right now. They also lost by 32 at Marquette. That is the same Marquette team that got drilled by St. Bonaventure and lost in double overtime to Creighton. We all wanted to get back into the Big East. Well, the Big East is a league where when you don't play well, you're not going to be able to expect to win. If you play like shit, you're going to get beaten. Creighton may not have a little number next to their name the way that UConn does. They may not be ranked in the AP poll, but that doesn't mean that Creighton is... South Florida, or that Creighton is Tulsa. You know, Ryan Nemhart is a pro. Ryan Hawkins is going to make a ton of money playing basketball somewhere, whether it's in uh, as a two-way contract. Maybe he'll make the NBA. If it's not that, he's going to be playing overseas for as long as he wants to play. Alex O'Connell started his career at Duke for a reason. He's now a senior. He's 23 years old. Ryan Kalkbrenner is the best rim protector in the Big East. Yeah, I said it. Creighton is really good. They are exceptionally well coached. And if you don't show up to play, they are going to beat your ass. UConn learned that the hard way on Tuesday night. I also think it's important to make this point. UConn right now is a very, very good defensive team. And that might be underselling it. They scout well. They block everything at the rim. Uh, They overwhelm teams with their length and athleticism. Their pressure can really get to you and take you out of what you want to run. They have really, really good individual defenders and I thought Tuesday night's defensive effort was as good as we've seen out of them this entire season Creighton finished the game scoring less than a point per possession and that was despite the fact that down the stretch Trey Alexander made like nine straight three free throws that helped bump up their numbers and made it look a little bit prettier they had 37 points with 10 minutes left in the game they were just as bad as we were offensively and that's because of what UConn did on the defensive end yes UConn was down 10 at the half that had everything to do with a couple of bailout threes that Creighton hit at the end of a shot clock, one of which was a defensive mistake, so you got to give him credit for that one. Uh, But one of them was a tough three, and the other one at the end of the half was a three that missed that bounced 30 feet in the air and ended up falling straight 
through the hoop. Uh, I, I don't think there's any way that you can question them on the defensive end of the floor. I don't think a soul should be uh, concerned about what they're doing on that end of the floor. I'm not going to stand for it. I know that Ryan Hawkins went off. I know he had 23 and 10. At the end of the day, what Dan Hurley wants to do defensively is allow his best players to make plays one-on-one. I thought they did that. And I thought Ryan Hawkins made some really, really tough shots. And at some point, you just kind of had to tip your cap and say, yeah, you beat us on this night. They gave up 59 points to an NCAA tournament team. The issue is not that end of the floor. The issue is the offensive end of the floor. And look, it's it's a mess right now. I don't think there's any way to sugarcoat it. UConn isn't coming off of a COVID pause. They aren't missing a key piece right now like Adama Sinogo. Tyrese Martin, his wrist may be banged up, but uh, if it was banged up, it was also banged up when he had 27 at Butler, right? Um, Isaiah Whaley is playing. There's, this is now back-to-back games where UConn has failed to crack 60 points and where they've posted fewer than 0.9 points per possession. That's, that's not going to be good enough. We're in February. We're 20 games into the season. We're nine games into Big East play. At some point, you need to figure this thing out. There's only so long that we can sit here hoping, you know, if they figure it out, they'll be dangerous. If they figure it out, they can do this, they can do that, they can do this, that, and the third. Eventually, you kind of just have to say you are what you are. And I don't want to get to the point where I say that UConn is, uh, is that. So what are they? Who are they offensively? Um, I got the chance on Tuesday night to be on the field of 68 after dark with Sean and Archie Miller, two coaches that I uh, respect immensely and two guys who see and understand the game of basketball at a level that most people cannot comprehend. I feel smart about basketball until I talk to them and realize what I don't see. Uh, They're encyclopedias. And we spent a good amount of time on Tuesday night talking about UConn on after dark. Uh, so I'm going to drop that segment in here right now for you guys to listen and to watch. Oh, Rob, what are your thoughts on the UConn Huskies today? <laughs> um, it's it's very frustrating to watch them when they go into those uh, the 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 way that they played tonight and the games that they had tonight. It feels like a lot of times they need to be able to get stuff out of what they scheme. They need to get offense out of what they scheme, and if they can't get it out of what they scheme, they kind of forget how to be basketball players. And it's frustrating because I know how good Tyree Spartan can be if he decides he just wants to go. And we see how athletic Andre Jackson is. And RJ Cole's been great. I, it's hard to criticize him for having to carry uh, an entire team at five foot 11. Uh, but if they can't get what they want, it feels like a lot of these guys forget it, how good they are at basketball. And I don't, I don't necessarily know how you fix that, right? Like, I, I don't know how you, how you, how you coach someone up to go from being a little bit too passive to being a little bit more aggressive when the whole reason they're out there is because of they're, they're supposed to be this guy that's going to win on toughness and win on physicality. And um, I don't know how you, how you develop uh, more of a sense of being just like a natural basketball player when everything that you do offensively is about me, like remaining within the structure of what you want to run and running your set and then running this counter because be, for that counter to work, you got to be able to show them this set two or three times. So I, what do you do? I don't know. If you were, if you guys were Dan Hurley, like what would, what would be the change that you would make? Because I'm, I get very frustrated watching them run often sometimes. I, I think they're built a certain way and Danny coaches a certain way. And um, you know, they, they execute plays. 
they got a great big guy inside that they want to play through clearly and go in. And, you know, I think sometimes that, that's a problem. The one thing I would say about um, UConn is, and Sean, you can speak to this as well. For a power five or six team, for the talent that they have, they shoot a really poor percentage from two. And when you think about that is, what, what does that mean? That means they're taking a lot of shots that aren't great threes or dunks that are hard to make. And when you struggle to score at times, a lot of it has to do with a team either making you take those shots or those are the ones that you're conditioned to take jumpers inside the line, runners, floaters, back to the basket, multiple dribble post-ups, hard baskets. And I think one thing about UConn is they're taking some shots that, that are hard at times. And I think maybe that's why they go through some yes. lulls. And uh, if you look at their team and you kind of break them down a little bit, it's an odd stat for a team that's that talented from inside the three. Why would a team shoot a poor percentage from two when you're that talented? They're taking some tough twos, it looks like to me. Um, they're an unbelievable offensive rebounding team, though. They're going to win a lot of games doing it. thing that concerns me about UConn is, and they'll rise to the occasion because Danny will have them ready, but the meat of the schedule here this month is going to get hard. I mean, they have the, oh, yeah. they have the bulk. You know, they, they went on a five-game win streak with St. John's, Butler back-to-back, -back, Georgetown, and DePaul. And uh, they're getting ready to go Villanova, Marquette, Xavier right in a row. And they still have Seton Hall, Xavier, Villanova uh, to well, go look, after look at, that. Look at this seven-game run. You're and I think Villanova. they have a Providence game in there they got to make up, right, Rob? It's not. That one, it's, it's probably not going to happen because of the way the Big East schedules work. Okay. You cannot have three games in a week in back-to-back -back weeks. And the only way to make it work is you would get three games in a week for three straight weeks for one. I forget what it was, but it's just, it does. the way, When Providence yeah. got hit with their shutdown, it was after all of the other games were rescheduled. So it was just, it's, I don't think that they're going to be able to fit it in. Um, but look at the next seven games for UConn at Villanova, Marquette at home, at Xavier, at St. John's, which is never an easy place to play, Seton Hall at home, Xavier at home, Villanova at home. That is brutal. We're going to yeah. know how good they are. We're going to know how good they are in these next three weeks. Sometimes, yeah. Rob, when you're that elite as an offensive rebounding team, you know, top five in the country, like your spacing helps you become a good offensive rebounding team. That same spacing sometimes doesn't make you as, as sharp when the first shot goes up. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but like no, they are killing you on the glass. They're sending three and four guys to the glass and guess what? You know, it's important to their program that they do it. You could tell it's something that's emphasized and those guys aren't out at 30 feet standing there with their hands up when, it, when one of their teammates drives. I think they drive to shoot a lot, you know, that's, that's drive great, to shoot. I would say that's a great point. And, and They're not driving to pass yet. When you drive to shoot, you take more tough twos. And guess what? You drive to shoot, everybody's running in to tip your miss in, to get second shots. So, you know, I think over time, as we keep moving forward, you know, one of the things that they can do is to look at that a little bit more of, you know, there are certain guys that look, you know, being able to make that same strong drive and don't finish it with the challenge to kick it. And, you know, as they do that a little bit more, uh, they're probably going to get more spacing, but guess what? They're probably also not going to be as good of an offensive rebounding team, but, you know, last year, UConn made the tournament, Rob, this year, they're better than they were a year ago. 
And and look, you're you're probably watching a team that is going to be in the tournament, which is hard to do, but but maybe they're not quite wired to go very far. You know, that's kind of who they are. The big the biggest thing, Sean, is that I think the expectation is that UConn should be back immediately. UConn should be back. Dandy's been there for four years. He should have him doing what Jim Calhoun did when you ignore the fact that, like, what Jim Jim Calhoun did in store. Have you guys ever been to stores, Connecticut? Not going. There's there's no reason why there should be a basketball powerhouse in stores, Connecticut. So I think we sometimes overlook the fact that what Jim Calhoun did in that school, in that state, should probably have not happened. So uh, I think it's a little bit of an unfair comparison to put they give Danny, um, give Danny that. and his staff a lot of credit on where, where they're at with their talent. Oh, they, oh, trust me. Trust me. I do. I do. I'm mostly just venting because I just watched a very frustrating yeah. game. And, and Rob, yeah. the other part for UConn to understand fans, UConn fans, when you transition from one conference to the next, like you just don't snap your fingers and say, okay, I'm good. It's like switching a job. Yeah, you know, true. you may do the same thing for a living, but are you going to in the next six to nine months after you change you know, companies be at your, at your highest level of efficiency. It takes a little bit of familiarity and time. Sure. And, and again, I think as you look at UConn, the big East is obviously great for their program. They're great for the big East, but uh, they're going to be fine. So here's one other thing that I want to mention about UConn. Um, after talking with some other coaching friends and some other people whose opinion uh, I trust uh, UConn right now, I think the best comparison that i that, that you can make for them is that they are uh, Pedro Serrano. And for those of you that aren't fans of the classic film, Major League, Serrano was a slugger that could hit a fastball uh, about a million miles. But if you threw him literally anything else, uh, he would look like my six-year-old that is trying to hit a pitch and hit a baseball when it's not placed on the tee for him. Um, I kind of think that's where UConn is at this moment. If, if you decide to play him straight up, if you decide to do what UConn is expecting you to do, they're probably going to end up kicking your ass. They are so good at executing their sets. The staff is so good at scheming counters. Um, if you're really paying attention, you can see them run the same stuff and run their counters. Uh, when they get a bucket off of something early in the game, they're going to run something similar uh, later on in the game with one little tweak. Maybe the ball goes to the other side. Maybe they have a different guy setting a screen here. Maybe you have a different guy setting a screen there. Um, they are a very, very good X's and O's team. They are very well drilled and they run their stuff. Um, they have a deep playbook. There's some tricks up their sleeves that's going to get themselves easy buckets. Uh, they know what they're looking for. Like I, I don't know how else to explain it. When when they know what they're going to get, um, when when someone plays them the way that they expect, they are a very very good team. Where they run into trouble though is when they get thrown that curveball. They get thrown that changeup. Uh, we saw it with Providence when Ed Cooley started switching everything on the perimeter one through five, every exchange took them out of their stuff, took them out of the offense that they wanted to run. Uh, and it kind of limited them on that end of the floor. And we saw a team that could not find anything uh, offensively. Greg McDermott did it last night when he decided not to guard Isaiah Whaley, just uh, dropped off of him and double teamed Adama Sonogo more or less before he got the ball in the post, uh, just took away the big fella. Wouldn't let him get it. Um, and that's just a, a linchpin, a centerpiece of what UConn wants to do offensively. What they lack at the moment right now is that creativity. Uh, they are so well-drilled at times that they forget, you know, shit, we're basketball players. Uh, I'm Tyrese Martin. This motherfucker can't guard me. Let me go out here and rock. Let me go out here and make a play. 
Um, Andre Jackson, there are times where I don't think he realizes how athletic and how talented he is. And he'll make a play that someone his size and athleticism shouldn't necessarily make. He's still learning. He's still growing. He's still developing as a player. And I get how frustrating that can be as a fan to watch at times. Trust me. I feel it. I feel it too. I'm there with you. I also think that it is vitally important to say this about this group. UConn is 15 and five this season. They are six and three in the Big East. They are two games out of first place when Providence still has two games against Villanova left on their schedule. Uh, when we get to the Big East tournament, the Garden is going to be a UConn home game. If if my mentions after any UConn game are kind of any indication of how fans are feeling about it at this moment. Uh, and the fact of the matter is that UConn's five losses are by a total of 18 points. They're like a very nice six to nine possessions away from being an undefeated team right now. Think about that. Six to nine possessions away from being an undefeated team. And they're doing all of this while the staff, is still just in the beginning stages of really getting this thing rolling. Like, look, they are not going out there and, and recruiting quick fixes. They're not trying to patch over the holes. They're not trying to fill in, um, you know, where they need it. They're not, they, nothing here is trying to be a quick fix. They're trying to build something sustainable. They're trying to build a culture. They're trying to build a winning pedigree. And they're getting there, like 15 and five. We can't overlook the fact that it's 15 and five. Yes, there maybe aren't the number of great wins that you would want. Uh, on the schedule 15 of five is 15 of five six and three in the big east is six and three in the big east and look it's still just uconn's second season back in the big east they really only have one effective point guard on their roster they have a lot of guys that are still trying to find their way um once we get to the point where Jordan Hawkins is an upperclassman. Andre Jackson is an upperclassman. Samson Johnson is an upperclassman. We have another crop of uh, point guard players coming in. And some of these recruits that they have signed are, are coming into the program. Um, it's There's still room for this group to grow long-term. And I think we need to remember that. We also need to remember that literally three years ago, none of us gave a fuck about any of this, about UConn at all. I, I, I didn't care when UConn lost to SMU. How many of you guys did? Um, I probably watched three full UConn games in their entirety, sitting on my couch, focusing on it and nothing else uh, during Hurley's first season in stores. It was just, I was so apathetic to what the program was at that time. And now here we are losing games to tournament teams by four points. And it feels like the world is crumbling down, you know, carrying, Caring means that there are going to be growing pains and there are going to be ups and downs in the season and the downs are going to feel like nothing can ever fix it and the ups are going to feel like nothing can ever be beaten. Um, and that's where we are right now. We're in a down, man. When you, but when the downs are losing at home to a tournament team that drops us to 15 to five in what, like a six or seven seed in most bracket projections, that is a pretty good spot uh, to be in overall. So I'll leave you with this. Last Saturday, Kansas got humiliated at home. Uh, by Kentucky. They got beat by 20 in Fog Island Fieldhouse, uh, something that just doesn't happen. On Tuesday night, three days later, they went into Hilton Coliseum without their All-American Oshaya Baji and just beat the brakes off of an Iowa State team uh, that is going to end up being in the NCAA tournament. That's a tough place to play, a tough team to play, and Kansas whipped their ass without their best player. We get Villanova on Saturday in Wells Fargo. Time for us to make a statement.